You have your Bibles today will be in the book of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, the book of Matthew chapter 5, we'll start reading with verse 1. Matthew 5 verse 1, I would ask you to stand this morning to pay reverence for the reading of the Word of God. When you get to Matthew 5 verse 1, Matthew 5, verse 1, the Word of God says this, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here today. Uh, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your understanding. Lord, I pray that you watch over those within the church that are sick, that are hurting, that are... Uh, going through different problems. Lord, I pray that you'll watch over us, Lord, and continue to lead, guide, and direct uh, each and every heart that's assembled here this morning. You know every heart and every care, and I just pray that you'll continue to bless us, continue to lead us, continue to guide us, and bless us through the Scripture that you've impressed upon our hearts and use it, Lord, uh, to upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can be uh, seated this morning. Now, Matthew uh, chapter 5, uh, we read verse 1 through 5, and we'll try to stay within this uh, certain parameter here, but uh, we see the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, a lot of times you'll see this called the Sermon on the Mount, or, or called uh, within this chapter here the Beatitudes that Jesus spoke, but I think it's interesting that just as uh, we look in the Old Testament and when God's law was brought and when the highest commandment of God was brought, we see Moses go up on a mountainside in the Old Testament and go get the teachings and the commandments from God and bring them to the people. And it's very interesting to me that we see Jesus do a very similar thing, that He went up on a mountain and He sat down. And uh, we could probably preach those first two verses for quite some time because there's a lot in the uh, original Greek. And I would tell you to please go look at that and study that. But I didn't want to spend all morning talking about just Him sitting down on a mountainside and just Him opening His mouth, which is uh, in the Greek shows so much power, His authority from speaking upon that mountainside. It was very symbolic that He sat down in these times because sitting down uh, when you begin and began to teach uh, uh, showed authority. Now that's very different from now in our western world and our culture. Uh, I usually don't come up here and sit down and teach and, and for the most part most of these churches in this area uh, people don't get up and sit down and teach but in this particular time frame in this area if you went up on a mountainside uh, and you sat down uh, you showed a great authority in your teaching uh, and we see that in the Greek but we, we can, it's kind of harder for us to see that quite as much <coughs> to understand the English, but he went up uh, and he sat down uh, and it says that he opened his mouth and we see uh, at the very beginning of this that we see in the scriptures we read uh, blessed. Uh, it says three times blessed are these, blessed is this and blessed is this. Uh, and the verses 3, 4, and 5 and you'll see uh, <coughs> I believe a little more of it uh, throughout this chapter but we want to focus uh, on 3, 4, and 5 that uh, Jesus focuses on being blessed and that's how Jesus Jesus begins his speaking uh, blessed. Now, uh, I, I think a lot of us need to take uh, just a moment this morning to think what uh, uh, being blessed uh, means to each and every one of us. Uh, uh, being blessed oftentimes uh, uh, means different things to different people. Uh, a lot of people get up in church and they speak of being blessed. They say, you know, I was blessed this week uh, to get up out of bed. Uh, I was blessed this week uh, to be able to uh, provide for my family. I was blessed this week uh, uh, to have a 
family and <laughs> to not have a, a sickness. Uh, I've been blessed to uh, be a part of this church. We, we hear different blessings, uh, uh, but I'd like to get to the root uh, word here of what Jesus is trying to say. Uh, uh, the blessed is, now oftentimes uh, uh, we, uh, we put this with the word happiness. Uh, we, we put happiness with blessed. And uh, I'd like to think that there is some correlation there. Uh, uh, so uh, if we think about that in a simple way, uh, uh, to be happy is what Jesus may be saying to these people. Uh, and we all have different opinions uh, of what gives us happiness. Uh, Probably each and every one of you does different things to attain happiness. It makes me very happy to go fishing. I don't know about y'all's opinion of fishing, but it just it calms me. It calms me down. It gives me just a little bit of peace just to go out and do some fishing and to catch some fish. I enjoy that. It gives me happiness to spend time with my children, even though they're wild and crazy and they may drive me nuts for a little while, but that gives me happiness. It gives me happiness to spend time with my wife. It even gives me happiness. It'll drive you crazy. It gives me happiness to go to work and actually work and supply for my own well-being. It does. We have different things that give us happiness. Now, I'm an adult, and I'm giving you adult things, but we see a lot of times younger people and older people, too, try to find happiness in other things. We think of young people, and if you've ever been in a big city, and you're walking through the town and it's late at night, you'll see people that are spiffed up, nice, uh, dressed up nice, uh, uh, going to a place to go and uh, get drunk and uh, listen to loud music and try to go home with somebody at the end of the night. Uh, and that is their definition of happiness. That's what they think gives them happiness in life. Uh, we think that spending time <coughs> with our spouse or our or, or family or our kids or even going fishing really gives us happiness. But it doesn't. Now, those are illusions. I'm here to show you, church, today that happiness in the worldly things that we do are short-term. When I go fishing, I'm only happy at the moment that I'm fishing. Once I have to pack up and leave, I'm not so happy anymore. If I'm fishing and I'm not catching anything... I'm not quite as happy as I am if I was actually catching things. And when my children are going crazy when I'm out there spending time with them, I'm not quite as happy as when they're loving me and, and calm and we're doing constructive things together. Uh, there's a level of happiness that changes based upon what's going on. Now we have to think a little bit about happiness and the multiple avenues of feeling happiness and how to feel blessed. Often the result is not happiness. It's really blessedness is being close to God. We need to understand that being blessed is a closeness, is, is an understanding of understanding that God has dealt you what you're going to get and there's no other way that it would have happened and this is exactly what God has given you. That's how we understand that we are blessed. To know that God is in control. To really... A very simple definition of starting out with blessed. When Jesus speaks here, I like to think there's one simple word that Jesus speaks to us. If it was in English, it was satisfaction. Are you satisfied? Now, I can tell you that when I go fishing, I'm satisfied. I may not be happy, but I'm satisfied. When I go home, I hope that I'm satisfied. When I go to work, I'm satisfied. And we have to see it satisfied. Blessed are those people. You have received satisfaction. And let's also understand that when Jesus is speaking these things upon this mount, 
And he said, blessed are these people. He's not trying to tell us that there are different levels of being close to God. There are not different levels, thank you, of being close to God. Just because that you go through hard times, you are not close to God. To help you understand something about being close to God, it is once again satisfaction. Because of what you face or what you go through does not make you personally closer to God. And blessed, he starts off with the very first thing that he speaks out of his mouth when he's on the mountain is blessed are the poor. Now there's a lot of people that stop right there. They don't read the rest of that piece of Scripture. They said, blessed are the poor. And we uh, immediately have a particular group of people that say, yeah, if you're poor, you're blessed. That's not what it says in the Scripture. It says, blessed are the poor, what? In spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, I believe that he could be maybe calling out the ones that have empty pockets or are struggling to make ends meet. But to be poor in spirit are the ones that realize that they cannot help themselves. They are poor in spirit. They're, they're, what they want to do, they're yearning. They've realized that they cannot fix their own problems. They cannot get out of the situation that they're in. They cannot get themselves enough because they are not enough. We know those people that either through financial situations or marital situations or, or whatever kind of situation that they're in, <coughs> they've realized that they can't get themselves out of it. They're poor in spirit. They know that they cannot attain beyond what they're at unless somebody intercedes and helps them. They know that they cannot get out of that situation unless something changes and something comes in from the outside. They will always be poor. They will always be stuck in this situation. They will always be helpless. And we have to see that blessed are the poor in spirit. They know that they need something else. They can't get it on their own. The moment that we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior we have realized that He is the one we need in our lives. When you accept Christ, you realize that you are not enough and we cannot do it on our own. We are not sufficient. We need something else to make us what we need to be. And in so many ways, Jesus, the very first thing that He says, He says that blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones that realize that they cannot get beyond where they're at without something else. We need Jesus. His very first thing that he teaches on this mountainside is that blessed are the poor in, the, in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is full of people that at a point in their lives, they realize that they're not enough. That's what Jesus is trying to say to them. The kingdom of heaven is full of people that know they're not good enough. They know that they can never be good enough. Ain't it good to know that Jesus starts with the hopeless? The first people that Jesus talks to is the ones that don't, do not have hope. They don't believe they can do anything good enough. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Now, the next thing that we see is Jesus talks about those that mourn. We see that He brings out the, the ones that are hopeless. 
But he goes to the next statement and speaks of the ones that mourn. Now mourning is usually uh, tied together with death, dismay, sickness. Uh, there's different opinions of, of what we could tie mourning to. But, you know, I'd like to think uh, uh, just this morning, we maybe maybe uh, change your opinion just a little bit on what we're looking at with mourning. Now, a lot of us, when we say mourning, yeah, there's er, 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 mourning somebody that's died. But I'd like to think that when Jesus is teaching, he's not changing gears all that much when he's calling out the hopeless, and then he starts talking about those that mourn. Uh, I'd like to think that these three first uh, things that he addresses are pretty closely tied together. Now, when those that mourn, <coughs> I'd like to think that uh, we're going to align with the ones that don't have any hope for themselves, and the Bible speaks uh, of the old person passing away. When it talks about a, a new uh, saved Christian, it talks about a new person. Uh, it says the old has passed away, uh, the old person is gone. We'll even find a, a symbolic nature in baptism where the old person goes down and dies, uh, and a new person arises uh, with Christ. That's the whole symbolic nature of, of being baptized. Now, I would like to think that mourning here, while it can be for those that you've lost, uh, it might be mourning uh, uh, for not proud of who you've been. Uh, you're mourning for the old person that was yourself. Uh, I'm mourning for the old Zach. Uh, yeah, there's nobody that knows Zach as good as Zach does. Uh, there's nobody in here knows my past like I know my past. Uh, uh, once I accept Christ or once I realize that I need Christ, once I realize that I am hopeless, uh, there is nothing that I can do uh, beyond going to Jesus Christ, uh, then I mourn for realizing what I've done. That's why we see so many people turn their lives over to Christ and they weep. They cry. There's people, there's the strongest people you've ever seen before in your life, the toughest people will weep. And I'm not saying they all do that, but we see that because of the mourning, because we realized what has been going on in our lives. We're not proud of what we've done. We could also be mourning knowing that you're still in a lost condition. You could be mourning thinking about these certain things. But it says, blessed are those that mourn. We've seen those that have no hope be reassured. And now we see those that are worried about their situation. You'll be comforted. If you have no hope, it's here. And what does Jesus also say is don't worry about what you've done. If you don't have any hope, you can't, get, you, you can't get anywhere without yourself. The kingdom of heaven is full of those kinds of people. And then he says, don't worry about what you've done. Well, in so many ways, he says, don't worry, don't mourn, don't, don't think about your life before me because it's now changed. You will be comforted. Praise the Lord today that no matter what you've done, no matter what we've been through, he loves us. Uh, he, has, he has given us hope. He has given us love. He has given us reassurance. And the next thing that we see him address is blessed are the meek. There's a lot of Bible translations that translates that word to gentle. And I think that's quite appropriate for what he's trying to say to these people. We understand that the leaders of today show strength by being tough. They do things toughly. They take things when they need to take them. They say things when they need to say them. They're ugly when they need to be ugly. They get dirty when they need to get dirty. We see leaders of today, uh, a lot of times we don't like gentle leaders. Uh, we don't want people to fill a leadership position that we consider gentle or passive or, or won't have any backbone. Uh, and it says here very plainly, blessed are those 
Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that are gentle. Now, I like for us to understand something that being meek is not being nice. That's not what meekness means. A meekness is having strength and not using it. That's what meekness is. It's having the authority and having the power to do certain things and not taking those things into your own hands. Being passive when you have the strength to do them. It's not calling out the ones that have no strength and are passive and laid back in the mouth. It's the ones that stand there with all the strength in the world and they, they stand back and they say, you've got it, Lord. It's in your hands, Lord. To understand meekness, blessed are the meek, is when you have all control but you turn it over to God. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the ones who can stand strong in this world but choose not to. Blessed are those. Now, that's, that's something that I, I'll say that a lot of times we as, as, as people in the West world, and I'll say that sometimes because this was written by somebody in the East, and we, we in the West are very different. We see strength and we see people that rise to power. We see people that go up and climb a corporate ladder as somebody that is strong. The Bible says, blessed are those that are meek. The ones that will stand by. They shall, what does it say? It says, for they shall inherit the earth. And I, I find that very strangely written there that God spoke that, that Jesus spoke that on that mountainside. They shall inherit the earth. Now, these three statements here that he starts off with, I believe all point towards accepting salvation. I believe that. I believe if there's anything that we can get from Jesus' teaching right here at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is that we need Him. We need Jesus. He's going to restore us hope. We don't have to worry about the old things in our life. We don't have to mourn about our situations. We don't have to worry about what we've said, what we've done. If we feel hopeless, we can call upon Him because He's here. And you get to this last one, is blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, who is promised an inheritance? Now, in the West world, we're, once again, we're different. You can almost give anybody you want to inheritance. But if you go to the Eastern culture and you understand what's going on with inheritance, you've got to be family. You've got to be kinfolk to get inheritance from this situation. I'm glad that when Jesus is speaking this, it says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the ones that choose to have all the power in the world, but stand back for you're my family. That's what he's trying to say to them. You are part of my family. There is so much. You know what's bad about the Beatitudes? They get tougher as you go. The rest of these, as you go on the first three, hey, they're pretty simple, and I don't know how far we'll go in the rest of them, but the rest of them are tough. The rest of them are tough to understand, tough to apply, but praise the Lord, these first three, you've got hope. Don't worry about your past, and praise the Lord, you are part of my family. What better promise can Jesus give us uh, up on this prophetic, beautiful mountainside speaking on behalf of God, giving His children instruction? If you back up and understand something, He had just finished choosing the twelve disciples. He had just finished choosing the twelve disciples, and I don't know how big of a crowd had gathered, but He decided at that point... These are the people. Uh, these are the people that are going to build the church. These are the people that are going to prophesy in my name. They're going to heal. He knows everything that's going to happen from here on out. And he knows what you're going to do. Praise the Lord. Uh, hope is here. Don't worry about what you've done. You are part of Jesus' family. If there's any better promise than the beginning of the Beatitudes on the mountainside, I don't know what it is. Isn't it good to know that he loves us? 
He's going to stand in that gap for us. He's going to always be there. I'm glad that no matter what I've done, He loves me. I am. I'm glad that hope, when I feel hopeless, is there. I'm glad that when I don't feel loved and I've made a mistake, He still loves me. And I'm glad that when I feel like I don't belong in a certain place, I belong to His family. What a reassuring, blessing thing for God to give us those things. As we get a verse of some song ready, as we stand and have our musician come forward, I want us to really think about what God has blessed us with, how He has given us hope, how He has given us promises, how He has given us love, and how we, praise the Lord, are part of His family. You know, uh, I've got some family, and I love them to death. And they can say things to me, but guess what? They may say something mean to me, may say something hurtful, but they're still my family. Their blood's still my blood. No matter what I do to my mama and daddy, I believe my mama and daddy love me beyond anything I'll keep saying. I may say some mean things, they may say some mean things, but they're still my mama and daddy. I still got family. And I want you to know the same thing with Jesus applies today. No matter what you've been through, He's there for you. That blood's still there. That blood's still shed on that cross. And that blood is still applied today. If you need help from him, I'm glad all you got to do is call upon his name. And he'll be there with you. As we stand, what page you got, sister? 390. Page 390.